Welcome to Lead with Confidence, the podcast where we will explore the journeys of leaders who inspire, empower, and believe in others. Join me to discover your self-confidence in love, life, and leadership. This is not your typical leadership podcast. We're here to celebrate leaders who are not defined by their titles or corner offices. Instead, they're defined by their unwavering commitment to becoming better versions of themselves every single day. The formula is different for everyone. So take what you want, leave what you don't. We are here to learn and grow together. I'm Desiree Petrick, owner of Intentional Action, motivational speaker, and executive coach, and I can't wait to join your journey to learn what it means to lead with confidence. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Lead with Confidence. I am not going to lie to you, this is the second time that I have recorded this particular episode. I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning knowing that I needed to get it recorded and posted today, but then I found myself trying to be quiet as the rest of my family was sleeping. So when I listened to the audio back, I was practically whispering. So there is no other option than for me to re-record this episode, and I hope that it's going to be even better. I found myself having a few insights even while recording the episode. So I hope that this is going to be an even better version for you. But before we get started, I just want to let you know that this is the second part to a four-part series. So if you didn't have an opportunity to listen to last week's episode, you're going to want to go back and listen to that. It is on the Foundation of Self framework, so it's going to make a little bit more sense to understand what we're talking about today if you've heard the first part. However, the messages do still stand alone, and I will be pulling from the first episode. So if you only have time for one, this is still a great option. I hope that you get something from it. It has changed my life in so many ways, but the first thing I want you to understand is that this framework was not created. This framework was lived. I lived this framework over the course of the last five years And after I did a lot of soul searching, a lot of trying to understand where I was in my life and how I had gotten there, that is when I understood that this was something that could be taught. This was something that could be learned. This was something that you could apply to your own life to truly come up with a strong, stable foundation to your life and building a life that you love based on who you are and how you want to be identified. So we're going to get into what it looks like to redefine success in a way that is exciting to you, is something that you want to find and not something that you feel like you need to find. So I'm really excited about all the things, foundations, all the things tier two of the foundation of self, and we're going to dive in. But after I finished recording and editing and posting last week's episode, it occurred to me that I didn't tell you the full story. I explained the framework to you. I explained why it works, but I didn't explain how I came to that conclusion. I find myself still kind of holding back in the story about losing my mom and having my son in the NICU. I am not a private person. If you follow me on social media, you will understand that. But at the same time, when things are really hard, I just don't share it. I don't know if it's because I don't want pity. I don't know if it's because I just, I just honestly don't know. So when my daughter was born in 2019, I didn't tell anyone I was going into the hospital. I turned off my location tracker on Snapchat and all the things. I just didn't want anyone to know that I was there. I had only told my mom and my dad and my husband's parents. And then the same thing happened in 
2022 when I had my son, I just didn't want to tell anyone. And that one was a little bit more interesting because I had gone into the doctor. I casually mentioned that my hands were itching and I hadn't been sleeping very well. And they were strangely concerned about it. I had just said it. I mean, this is pregnancy. This it's weird just in general, but it turns out I had something called cholestasis, which could potentially risk, um, be a risk for a stillborn baby. Well, I happened to be full term. I was only a week away from delivery. So they had me come in and be induced. It was inconvenient for my husband because he, his company pushes snow. He and his brother own um, a company that does snow removal and lawn care. So it was slightly inconvenient, but they figured it out. He came in. It was a decision that we made to get induced on a day where our doctor couldn't be there as opposed to waiting one more day. I just didn't want to risk it. So when I had him on 2-22-22, he was born too fast. I only had to, sorry, this is a lot of information, so I apologize, but it will make sense. Just give me a minute. So I only had to push twice. He was born. He was born too quickly. So his left lung never expanded, which caused him to be very ill. The doctors and nurses, respiratory therapists, the pediatrician canceled his day. I think there was 15 people in his room at one point trying to keep him alive. And because it was a blizzard, the fixed wing planes, the helicopters, the ambulances, no one could get to him. And because he was full term, the the hospital didn't have the equipment for a NICU. They're not set up for that. They didn't have the medicine they needed for a full-time baby with this particular issue. And so the doctors and nurses, everyone did a fantastic job of keeping him alive until the blizzard subsided enough that the, the Avera NICU could get to him and no complaints. It was amazing. I'm so thankful for everything. But because of the way that it happened, I kind of got forgotten about, I, including myself. It kind of came down to I was so thankful that they were there for my son that I kind of forgot that I had just given a baby. I was up and moving around within 45 minutes because my son was in the nursery. I, I wasn't able to hold him. So because I had been forgotten about, it, it was my responsibility to take control of my mindset, take control of the things that I could control in that moment where everything felt out of my control. The circumstances were not something that I could have foreseen. They weren't something I could have prepared for intentionally. So between my husband and I, we had to come to the conclusion that we needed to have faith in the doctors that were that had the equipment. They had the knowledge. They had the understanding of what it was going to take to make sure that he stayed healthy. And we just needed to have faith in them, have faith, continue to pray. We did all of the things. I don't think that I would have been in the headspace to do that if I hadn't been working on myself for the last five years. If I wouldn't have been reading the personal development books, if I wouldn't have been holding myself accountable and figuring out what it meant to be emotionally and socially intelligent to not blame these doctors for something that was not their fault, but instead to show appreciation and gratitude towards them for helping in a situation that no one could have foreseen. So we had to take responsibility for the mindset piece of it, for controlling what we could control. The same thing when we went to the NICU. My husband ended up staying a lot of the time in our hometown with our two-and-a-half-year-old daughter because we wanted to make sure that she had a parent with her while I was in the NICU with our son for four weeks. 
instead of sitting and watching TV and feeling sorry for myself for a situation that was out of my control, regardless of what I did, I continued to sit on the floor of the nursing of his nursery and stretch. I brought my books. Granted, I was reading a lot more fiction because my mind did not need to be spinning any more than it was with personal development and I was still trying to hold on to those habits that I had created. I was still trying to coach myself through this process of being scared and uncertain and frustrated that it happened to us because you always hope that that's not going to be the case. But we lived through it. It was it made us stronger. I do truly believe that. I'm so thankful that we have a very healthy, almost two-year-old little boy. I'm so thankful for the doctors and everyone who helped in between. But 24 hours after we brought him home from the NICU, which was about four weeks after he was born, I got a call that my mom had had a stroke. And we had to pack up our four-week-old who had only spent one night in our home and our two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and we had to drive two-and-a-half hours to stay in a hotel at one o'clock in the morning so that in the morning I could go and see my mom who had had a stroke. And again, all of these things were out of our control. There was nothing that we could do or say to change anything. So it was a matter of controlling what we could control. It was a matter of staying in the right headspace so that we could be in control of our emotions and be socially intelligent enough to know what questions to ask, to know what steps to take, to know how to be there for the people who weren't sure how to be there for themselves. It was all of these things that we had been preparing for and honestly had just spent the last four weeks going through in one situation to have to jump right into another. But because of the COVID restrictions, which is why my mom wasn't able to be in the room with us when I had my son, Actually, I'm very thankful for that because she was a very anxious person. I think she probably would have ended up having her stroke sooner if all of that stress would have been placed on her. She was able to meet my son and visit us in the NICU for an entire day, two days before her stroke. I'm so thankful for everything and the way that it worked out. But because of the COVID restrictions, I wasn't able to be one of the two people that got to, to see her. I wasn't able to sit in the hospital with her because they wouldn't allow my newborn into the ER. Um, I think it was the the neuro ICU. They wouldn't let him in because so many of the people in there were there because of COVID, despite the fact that in the real world, COVID had kind of let up some of the, the masking policies and everything. You didn't really see anymore, but within the hospital, it was still very prevalent. I wasn't able to be there. And that took a lot of mindset work too. That took a lot of coaching through to say I could give up and break down and be sad and feel guilty and regret all of the decisions that were made right now. And trust me, there was still a lot of that happening. But I was also able to coach myself through that process so that I could say I am not in control of this certain circumstance. So what can I do to make sure that my family both my children and my husband, but also my siblings and my dad, were all able to get through this to the best of their ability with whatever help I could offer them, which at the time wasn't much. I had a four-week-old. But ultimately, two months later, she had a second stroke and passed away. There was a lot that happened in a very short amount of time, and honestly, I don't remember a lot of it. But 
the foundation of self-framework is something that I say I lived because that was something that could have absolutely broken me. It could have broken anyone and it likely would have. I lost my aunt, my grandma, an uncle, all within the time that she was in the hospital. Plus, I lost a cousin of mine almost exactly a year after I lost my mom. When the shoe drops, it feels like everything comes tumbling down all at once. And that's not typically the case. But because we feel like it, we're constantly waiting for the shoe to drop. We're in this constant state of fear. And it almost feels like it manifests. It almost feels like because you're waiting for it, something happens. That's not to say that anything would change if you were upbeat, optimistic, positive. But it does feel like because you're waiting for it, it's bound to happen. That's just the way that our minds work. So going through all of this, I lived the foundation of self-framework because I hadn't, I didn't wait for something bad to happen. I started preparing without knowing that that's what I was doing almost four years prior to anything happening. I was exercising. I was eating right. I was reading personal development. I was coaching. I was doing coaching. I was, I didn't go to therapy until after my mom passed away, but I was with people and cultivating relationships. I was building relationships in things that I loved, like physical fitness and like personal development. I started to cultivate a community so that after my son was in the NICU and after my mom passed away, there were people at her funeral that three years prior, I likely wouldn't have had anyone but family there specifically for me. That was the life that I had built. There wasn't anyone I was super close to. But in choosing to live authentically and to be disciplined and to find things that I really loved, I started to cultivate a community of people who also really loved the things that I did. And we built relationships based on those things, which helped me dive into my identity even more. So when I say that I lived the foundation of self-framework, that's what I mean. It was conscious in the sense that I was working really hard towards all of those things, but it didn't occur to me until after all of the events of the year of 2022 that I realized that it had been for a purpose. And I I always said that if anything bad would happen, which up until 2022, nothing bad had ever happened to me, I always said that I would question God's existence. I always said I'm a very faithful person, but if anything bad ever happened to me, I think I would question whether or not he is has a presence in my life. And funny enough, that was the opposite of what happened. When my son was in the NICU and when my mom passed away and my aunt and grandma and cousin, it was almost like it solidified for me that God's presence was there. And I don't want to turn this into a podcast about faith, but I do feel that it's very important in for my identity to be able to say to you that this solidified faith for me, which is one of the pillars of the foundation of self. So this works 360 degrees, everything from physical and mental health to faith to the boundaries that we set in place, both the, both so that we can do what it is that we need to do, but also so that we can create boundaries so people aren't interfering with what it is that we want to do. So that's the first foundation. It's taking control of what we can control, 
before we feel like we need it, before something bad happens, before something good happens. It's creating the good. It's creating a life that we want. It's building a stable foundation so that if something bad does happen, it's not crumbling around us. We have these solid habits and mindsets and the ability to coach ourselves through things and relationships that are going to help us stand through all of those things. But the second tier to the foundation of self is a lot more up for question. It is very much so more individualized. It is something that you get to create based on who you are. So let me explain. What do you want more of in life? Do you want to be more confident, joyful, adventurous, disciplined, authentic, honest? What do you want to be more of? If you know me, you know that I like to throw around the number 60. That's 60 books read every year. Everything from leadership to fiction and from memoirs to romance. The last Monday of every month, I release an episode of Lead with Confidence where we will dive deep into my favorite personal development book for the month. I will read them so you don't have to. However, I do truly think that books have the power to change your life. So if you're looking to learn and grow with some intentional action this year, check out my five favorite books that have moved the needle for me the most. Head over to DesireePetrick.com slash books. That's B-O-O-K-S. And I'll send you my list along with the links to get your very own copy. That's DesireePetrick.com slash books. Let's read and learn and grow together. We often say that we want to be more adventurous and then we constantly feel like we are falling short because we're not jumping off of bridges or out of planes. We're not in hot air balloons or stamping our passport by going to different countries all the time. That's where I was at. I wanted to be more adventurous, but I never got more than 30 minutes from where I grew up. I never have really done anything outside of travel to a couple of places where family already lived. But I still wanted to be this adventurous person. I still had this feeling like I needed to be adventurous. So I was feeling guilty and frustrated and like I wasn't doing enough and I wasn't being enough of this person that I wanted to be. But when I decided that in order to claim an adventurous spirit, in order to say I am adventurous, I needed to redefine what adventure meant. And for me, adventure could mean randomly calling up a friend and saying, hey, let's go get our nails done. Taking my two kids under four years old to the grocery store. It can be going out with my son on a Monday to go get high V Chinese. Adventure can mean so many tiny things. And when you redefine adventurous as these things, not only do you get to claim this adventurous identity, not only do you get to say I have adventures, but you get to celebrate those adventures. So on the way home from the grocery store, I'll say to my daughter in the back seat, wasn't that a fun family adventure? And we get to celebrate that together. And it's not a one-time thing. Success is something that you have to work for every single day. But the ideal piece of that is that you get to define success in whatever way that you want. If you want to be more honest Define what it would look like. Where are you right now? At what point would you feel like you can claim honesty? At what point could you feel like you can claim authenticity? At what point can you claim humor or levity? And then start to work towards that. Don't look at anybody else. Don't look at what someone else claims is an adventurous 
person. You get to define it for yourself because you are the only one that you truly have to convince that you are this person that you want to be. If you are trying to reach someone else's understanding of it, you're going to feel guilty and regret. You're going to feel like you're falling short of this thing that you want. The nice thing is, is that when you go in to define what these things mean, you're going to understand how much of a priority it is to you. If you define what it would look like for you to be adventurous and you say, you know, that's not really something that's important to me. I don't really want that. You get to take that off the table. You get to say, okay, I, it, it is not important for me to feel like I am an adventurous person. Not that I want to be a safe person, not that I feel the need to make safe decisions. I just don't feel the need to be identified as an adventurous person. I can find something else that's more important to me that I can put my energy, focus, and excitement into. So if you want to see the foundation of self, because I'm a visual person, it helps a lot to see it. You can go to DesireePetrick.com slash foundation, and I will send you the foundation of self. Not only does it have the 12 pillars of the actual foundation, but it has the second tier, which is all of these things that we can want to be more of. And funny enough, it's, it is unexhaustible. There are so many things that I do not have listed that you can strive for, you can reach for, habits you can create. I don't even think adventurous is on my foundation of self. The reason that I created it in the way that I did is because we are all so different and I want to have these conversations. When I do workshops within companies, I get to say, don't even look at it if you don't want to. Create your own. Let's talk about it. Let's have conversations. And as someone comes up with something that's not on my list, I get to add it to my list. I get to say, is that something I would like to see for myself? Yes or no. If it is, what would it look like to me? It's not about constantly adding things to your to-do list. That would be exhausting. It's about finding out what your values are having conversations about what other people's values are, getting to know them better, getting to know yourself better. That's why I want to make sure that I don't have everything listed. I want to have these conversations. I want to know what I missed. I want to know what's important to you versus what's important to me. I think those conversations are so much fun to have. So what can you add to the list? What do you want to argue about? I'm all for arguing. Again, it's just a way for me to be more solidified in my values by explaining to you why I feel the way that I do and being able to work on my social intelligence to say, I understand your point of view. I may not agree with it, but I can understand it and we can meet somewhere in the middle if that's the case. That is ultimately what this foundation of self is. It's for you to understand what your values are, but then to have conversations with other people so that we can continue to increase our emotional and social intelligence as we work with others in creating relationships and understanding ourselves. So the other thing that I want to mention, and I'll talk about it a little bit next week when we get to the third tier of the foundation of self, but it's not something that you have to have contingencies on. You don't have to work on the the first tier first and then go to the second tier. The reason that they are set up in this way is that as you start to work on the pillars in tier one, like your physical and mental health, you're going to learn what's for you. You're going to learn what's not for you. You're going to figure out why consistency is important to you. What pieces do you feel like consistency includes? And by working in that first tier, that's going to become really clear to you. By trying to figure out what adventurous means to you, you're going to be able to figure out what habits you need to put into place so that you can celebrate that success. 
all of the things are intertwined and you don't have to work on one in order to move on and work on the next. It can feel overwhelming. I understand that. I can understand that looking at this framework can feel overwhelming. But you do you. Take what you want. Leave what you don't. Change it. I don't care. This is a framework that is truly meant to get you excited about the process. Get excited about what you're going to learn while you're learning. It really truly is just about getting to know yourself better. So I want to go back to this story about my son and my mom and all of the people that I lost last year. It is so sad. It's just sad. It Honestly, I cry so often. And something that my therapist said to me is, feel your feelings. Why would you hold them back? You're the only one that hears your thoughts. You're the only one that feels your feelings anyway. So why not let them out? I was having panic attacks because I wasn't allowing myself to feel these things. I wasn't allowing myself to feel sad, mostly because I felt guilty. I wasn't there the last two months when she couldn't remember anything. I wasn't there when my aunt and my dad and my sister were there. But I read Daniel Pink's, I believe his name is Daniel Pink's book um, about regret where he said, don't say if only. Don't say if only I would have been able to go and sit with her. If only she wouldn't have been stressed out about my pregnancy. If only I had let her come the day that we got home from the hospital, despite the fact that my sisters had the flu. If only, if only, if only. We cannot change those outside circumstances. So instead, say, at least. At least she got to come and spend an entire day with us in the NICU. At least I got to bring my son to see her before she passed away after she had moved from the ICU to rehab. At least I got to show appreciation and gratitude for the people who were spending time with her. So the reason I bring this up is your foundation of self can crumble really, really fast when something bad happens. Just because you have been working on it and you feel strong and you feel confident, it does not mean that something couldn't knock down the walls. It doesn't mean that something couldn't hold you behind hard. On the other side of hard is where we're going to truly feel that success. So when something bad happens, I need you to let go of the regret and the guilt in whatever that looks like to you. Therapy, reading, conversations with friends, let go of those things. I want you to truly feel your feelings. Stick with your habits. Hold firm in what you have created for yourself. Dig into those relationships. Don't push people off. Don't make them hold back. Invite them in. Talk to your friends. Talk to your spouse. I still struggle with this. No one will ever be perfect. It's the whole point of the foundation of self. And it's one of my favorite things about life is that we will never be done growing and learning and developing. It truly is one of my favorite things. And you would not be listening to this episode, to this podcast, if you weren't someone who truly felt like you have the potential to grow and learn and develop. 
So I want you to feel your feelings. I want you to work on the things and control what you can control. I want you to get excited about the successes that you can have in your life. But most of all, I want you to tune in next week because we're going to finalize what it is to have this foundation of self-framework from top to bottom, side to side. Like I said, it's not a contingency for happiness. Happiness can be had 100% of the time, and I'm going to explain that to you next week. So thank you for sticking with me. Again, if you go to DesireePetrick.com slash foundation, I will send you this framework, a picture of it with all of the different tiers. I want you to write on it, send me an email. Um, the email address is lead with confidence podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. What are you working on? What don't you agree with? What do you think I should add? I want to hear. Make sure you tell me. You can message me on LinkedIn or Instagram at Desiree Petrick. Please, please, please share this with your friends. Anyone that you feel needs to hear the message, anyone that you feel could use a little bit of inspiration, especially in this new year as our um, quitting day, I think is next is Friday. It's the day that the most number of people quit their new year's resolutions. As we get to that day, I want you to send this them this episode and say, you don't have to be perfect. All you have to do is try. So I want you to share this episode. If you would, I would absolutely love if you would rate and review this episode. It's how people find the show. And thank you so, so much for supporting me for supporting the topic of growth and development, because that is where the future is heading. This one thing of knowing ourselves better and being able to understand other people better, I truly feel is what is going to move the needle forward for us. So rate the podcast, give me a review if you would, and send me an email, leadwithconfidencepodcast at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. So until next time, lead with confidence.